Welcome back, everybody, to episode four of Believe in the Wolfpack. I am your host, Luke Nichols. Happy that you're joining me yet again, but we got a lot to get into. Got the basketball game against UT Martin, got Tennessee coming up, some football news, so I'm just going to jump right into it. So, just last night, the Wolfpack took down UT Martin 81-67. to Again, kind of like the Liberty game where you're going into it thinking, okay, it should be a relatively easy game. I think the spread, I think the line was NC State minus 19 and a half, I want to say. I know it was at least 15 and a half, but so they're going into it. It's a close game most of the time still, but then again, they just really pulled away in the second half right around the, I want to say, 10-minute mark. They really started to kind of, you know, just – you know, knock down some shots, find the open shots, really get into a flow, went on a big run. And although it was only a 14-point a win, so if you're, you know, going with what Vegas is telling you, UT Martin played pretty well. They played above average. They played better than expected. But I want to get to the post-game interview with DJ Burns because what he said really kind of, you know, caught my attention. And, and, and I really liked it, honestly. He said that, you know, we can go on these big runs. We know we can do that, but we need to play more consistently. And I like that mindset from him. But at the same time, basketball is a game of runs. That's what it is. It's what it's known for. It's what it's pretty much always been. So if you can, you know, go on these big runs, like a lot of teams, they, they – a lot of teams struggle with getting these big runs. You know, teams can play consistently, but they can't exactly, you know, really bury their opponents when 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 crunch time rolls around. They can't go on these 10-0 runs, these 12-0 runs, these 13-3 runs and, and whatnot. NC State, the Wolfpack, we've already, we know they can do that. They've showed that already just in a few games this year. So, I mean, I get that. Obviously, you know, every team wants to play – uh, their best game every time. Every team wants to shoot 100% from the field. They want to score a million points. That's just not going to happen. So the fact that you can go on these big runs is already a great sign. And I, honestly, I think if you can just keep it close, like they kept it close the entire time last night. It's not like they fell by, you know, they were down by 10 or they were down by 12 or anything to UT Martin. They were in control of the game for the most part, even when it was close. You know, whether it was a two-point lead, four-point lead, even tied – they were always in control, and you always kind of felt safe watching the game. Like, all right, they're going to pull this out eventually. They just, you know, they will. So that's kind of a good formula, especially when you go up against the better teams, the Tennessees. We'll get to that later. But when you get to ACC play later, or I guess I guess next year, yeah, when you get to ACC play next year, if you can keep the games close, if you're, you know, going into the second half, if you're tied going into the second half, you keep it close, you keep it close, and then just like you did against UT Martin, you can go on a run late in the second half. You go on a 10-0 run. I mean, you even go on an 8-0 run late enough in the second half. That's a backbreaker for the other team. So it's a really good philosophy to have for a team is, you know, we just got to keep it close because then a run is going to show up at some point. I mean, we saw a bunch of guys just drilling shots. DJ Horn, one of them, DJ Horn was 6 for 10 from 3. He had 22 points. He's shooting 60% from beyond the arc. That's incredible. But still, I mean, if you just keep the game close and then pull away, that's great. I mean, that's great. A lot, Like I said, a lot of teams, you know, it, they, they struggle to have these big runs. A lot of times you're watching the game being like, all right, they just got to go on a run. 
at one point, whenever your team is playing worse enough, I've watched enough basketball in my life where I'm thinking to myself, all right, if they just go on a big run, <laughs> we'll be okay. <laughs> you know what never happens? <laughs> the big run. So it's good that they have this already, maybe not locked down. It's not a surefire thing. But early on in the year, we're already noticing what this Wolfpack team can do. Once they get hot, they just start to pile it on, and it's been great to see. But the numbers from last night, like I said, DJ Horn, he had 22 points, 6 of 10 from 3. Like I said, it's unbelievable. Jaden Taylor, a quieter night. He still had 13 points, 6 rebounds, only 5 of 13 from the field. Uh, and, and 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 three of eight from beyond, but then DJ Burns he had ten points, ten re- or sorry, didn't want to sell him short here. Ten points, twelve rebounds, four assists, and five blocks. The team had five blocks. He had every block for the Wolfpack last night. That's unbelievable. No Mo Diara last night either. So he had twenty seven minutes last night. I believe Middlebrooks got yeah. Middlebrooks played about ten minutes. So Diara would have got at least more of that, or at least gave Burns more of a rest. Regardless, played great. Had four assists. That was the most on the team last night, and the most blocks on the team last night, and the most rebounds. I mean, I just thought that was a given. When you get a double-double, it's, you know, hard to find. Actually, Parker wasn't too far behind him. He had 10 rebounds as well and 14 points. Didn't want to leave him out of it. But back to my point about Burns, I already kind of made the point in the last show about, you know, you can play through him. He's got such a nice just touch around the rim. He's very smart with the ball. And that's just going to be such a major factor. Maybe more than I even think. It just trusting your big man with the ball. And, you know, he's going to be smart with it. He's going to make the right plays. Also, side note, that kind of brings me to what I was thinking about earlier today. How nice is it to have a few just, just superstar centers? in the league right now, in the NBA specifically. I mean, in, in college, you see it everywhere. You see there's plenty of big money. I mean, look at Zach Eady in Purdue. I, that's probably the most notorious center that's played in college since, oh, Greg Oden, maybe? Regardless, player of the year, all that, we know about Eady. But the NBA, there was a few years where there was a shortage on the superstar big men, where the 2012 team, the 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 second dream team, their starters, their starting center was Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler had like four, five really good years. I mean, Dwight Howard was incredible. Dwight Howard, three-time defensive player of the year, who should have been on the top 75 all-time NBA team. I cannot believe he was left off that list. Look at Dwight Howard's basketball reference page, and he should be on the top 75. Uh, but my point it's just so nice to have these big centers, these superstar centers back in the game today because there was a real shortage on it, and watching them is such a treat. Watching Jokic, watching Embiid, Wembenyama soon enough, even Sabonis, even when DeMontis Sabonis gets going, oof, it's just it's just good basketball. I mean, It's also just these guys are all seven feet tall plus, and they're moving like they're guards, and they're moving like almost nobody else in the world can move like that so it's just it's nice watching a center really kind of dominate and impose impose his will in the game in any way Jokic with the passing and Bede with the scoring Wembenyama with being seven foot four and shooting from you know 
five feet beyond the three-point line. So it's just always fun to watch. Watching centers is always is always a joy. Center highlights as well. Hakeem, Shaq, uh, uh, ooh, even David Ro- David Robinson. Talk about a guy that's a little bit underrated. All right, I'm going off a whole tangent. That's besides the point. Maybe, maybe we'll do a whole uh, <laughs> centers and, and, you know, NBA greats and who doesn't get enough love type show. Moses Malone, number one. All right, back to the point. Back to the game last night, UT Martin, uh, MJ Rice. He's coming off the bench. Still, I mean, I imagine he's going to be the sixth man for most of the year, but he was the leading scorer off the bench as well with seven points in just 16 minutes of playing time. But the 16 minutes was, he's he's the sixth man. That was the most anyone played off the bench last night. He had 16. I think the next closest was, yeah, O'Connell had 14. But I mean, MJ Rice already being the six-man role, already getting the most minutes off the bench after he just made his debut in the game prior. That's pretty big. <laughs> That's pretty big. And, and that shows that Keats is, 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 is trusting him. And that shows that he's, he's healthy and that he's ready to go. So, I mean, honestly, I thought, you know, maybe they'd wait a little more. Maybe they'd wait until uh, the new year or at least later in December to really kind of throw him into the six man role. But if we keep kind of going on this track, he's going to be practically one of the guys off the bench that, you know, kind of turns into a starter, like almost every sixth man in any, you know, on any team at this point, I was going to say just the NBA, just because I remember a few years ago when Tyler hero was playing 30 minutes a game coming off the bench. Um, but MJ, that's pretty much every team, but MJ Royce could be that role where he's coming off the bench and he's getting, if not more minutes than some of the starters, even minutes as some of the starters. So it's really good to see the five-star recruit already kind of finding his own and finding his role and and, and already having that confidence in himself and his teammates in Kevin Keats. So it, it's been it's been nice to see, especially so quickly. But this Saturday, 10 o'clock, I believe it's on ESPN too, but this Saturday, 10 o'clock, taking on 12th-ranked Tennessee. Just a huge game. Trying to pull off the upset. This would be a game where you want to keep it close. Like I said earlier, you want to keep it close so then if you can get to the second half, then you go on that big run that you're you know so good at going on. You, you just perform so well, execute so well, I should say. This is the game to do it, where you keep it close, you play good defense, you know, you make you force tough shots, you make a few tough shots yourself and just try and keep it close. If you go into halftime, either, either I mean, if you're going into halftime up by 50, that's ideal. That is fully ideal. Don't get me wrong. People say, oh, watching a blowout is so boring. No, 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 no. I'll take my teams blowing out the other team and having a relaxing day every day of the week over a nitty gritty, you know, hard fought, stressful game. I, no, I'll take I'll take feeling confident and comfortable going into the second half or the third quarter every single time over a close game that's entertaining, please. But my point, if you can go into half, I'm not saying they're going to blow out Tennessee. I'd be foolish to assume that. If you can go into the half with it close, you're up by four, you're down by four, down by two, you're tied. You're in a good spot for the second half. At least that's my mindset. If you can keep it close at halftime where you don't kind of dig yourself into a hole, you're set up pretty well for the second half to go on that run. But the most important aspect is is clearly stopping Connect. He's averaging 18 points a game, 38% from beyond the arc. He's six foot six, 204 pounds. 
<laughs> he's listed as a guard, and he's 6'6", 204 pounds. He scored 37 points in the loss to North Carolina, and yeah, they lost, but <laughs> he was he was still getting buckets. He was he still scored thirty seven points. Thirty seven points isn't isn't nothing to you know nothing to ignore. But he did also just score seven against Georgia Southern. That's in a game that they won by about twenty. So he he just had a poor shooting night. I think he was like two for eight from the field. So I I think you, you got to run him off the three point line because he's a fantastic three point shooter. He can rise up almost or he can rise up over almost anybody. So if you can run him off the three-point line and then kind of force him into the paint where you got Burns and DR waiting, especially Mo Diara, he should be available uh, for this game. At least that's what Kevin Keats said, so I'm hoping that, you know, that's true. Um, but if you can force him in and make it tough on him, make him, you know, make it hard to finish over DJ Burns, make it tough to finish over, over DR. We just saw, like I said, Burns had five blocks. He just had five blocks in a game. He's not going to let anybody get easy buckets around the rim. So that's kind of, you know, you'll live with tough buckets inside. If Even if he draws a foul and, you know, the guys aren't in foul trouble, you'll live with that. You'll live with a few layups that, you know, ooh, how did he make that? That was a circus layup. Ooh, you know, finishing through contact, that's pretty good. The threes are, are what's going to kill you. If he's on fire, if he starts out the game and he makes his first three, you got to close out on him. You got to run him off the three-point line. You got to go over on every screen. You just got to do anything you can not to not to have him beat you from beyond. Because if he's if he's you know shot fifty percent from three in the North Carolina game, you can't have that. You cannot have that. You, you got to force him inside. You got to make it tough on him. Kind of like the you know when I was when I was writing this down and thinking about it, I'm thinking like you know I'm kind of just. Describing the Jordan rules, where you just drive them in and make it tough on them in the in the paint, kind of swarm them. Maybe not Jordan rules esque, where you know the the Pistons were just clotheslining them, kind of like Draymond Green the other night. Um, but you know, just 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 make it tough on them. Don't give him any wide open layups. If he's if he's driving in, you got to have a guy collapse. And he's I think he's only averaging about four assists if that not oh i was way off he's averaging 1.7 assists a game so he's not the playmaker he's not going to set other guys up so if you can you know close in on him when he's inside when he's in the paint he's there's a good chance that even if he tries to pass it out to an open man may just not get there or he may just put up a shot so i'm just hoping that (laughs) doesn't doesn't you know doesn't have it going He's cold. Try to get him in. Oh, maybe, you know, I got to get something around the rim. Boom. Burns and Diara right there to lock him down. And then even MJ Rice and uh, Diara off the bench are going to be big time whenever Connect is in. And then you got, you know, more of the bench guys in than the than, than, than the starters. MJ Rice is six foot six as well. He can match up pretty well with Connect. Now, Connect, again, averaging 18 points a game. Drop thirty seven, drop thirty another game. I'm not taking anything away from him by saying, or even not taking any other way, anything away from MJ Rice, just by saying, oh yeah, you guys are <laughs> the same height and near the same weight, both athletic. Just you know, you can you can guard him, you can do that. I'm not taking anything away from him, but I'm just saying, coming off the bench could be it could be MJ Rice that we see matching up 
against Connect whenever uh, they're both on the floor at the same time. Before we take a break and get into some football and some transfer news today, just want to say the last matchup between NC State and Tennessee was November 24th, 2017, where the Volunteers won 67-58. to Grant Williams now on the Mavericks. Yeah, he's on the Mavericks now, was on the Celtics. He had 14 points in that game. And Admiral Schofield, the honestly, it felt like he was the main option at Tennessee over Grant Williams. He was 0 for 6 from the field, <laughs> and he fouled out. <laughs> Not the best game for Admiral Schofield. Maybe Connect can have the same type of game. That would be nice. Um, <laughs> that's very wishful thinking and then one last note two of the there's nc state has lost uh four four games all time against tennessee two of them were at neutral sites half of their losses were at neutral sites when they play tennessee and this week is at a neutral site not the best omen but eh What are you going to do? All right, we're going to take a short break now. When we come back, get into some football and the quarterback, the transfer quarterback, the four-star transfer quarterback that just signed with the Wolfpack. All right, welcome back in. Believe in the Wolfpack, going to get into some football and the four-star transfer quarterback that just signed or committed to NC State. Not moving too far, only coming from Coastal Carolina, Grayson McCall was a five-year player, four-year starter at Coastal Carolina. He is going into his sixth year of eligibility with the Wolfpack. I imagine first-year redshirt, or it could be either redshirt. Actually, I think it's, yeah, the COVID year was, was the 2020, so he had a COVID year, and then also... Uh, grad year. So that's what I'm, I'm assuming it is. So many guys now are doing redshirt, freshman, redshirt, sophomore, COVID year, grad year, masters, just because they can a ninth year. It's ridiculous to, to a point. But this will be his sixth year. His total numbers at Coastal Carolina, 69.9% completion percentage, 10,005 passing yards, Actually, kind of cool that he was only five yards exactly over 10,000, but 88 total touchdowns and only 14 interceptions. That's unbelievable. He was the starting quarterback when they went 11-1 and in 2020. The only loss they had that year, the only loss was in the bowl game, the Mortgage Cure Bowl to Liberty, where they lost 37-34. to a near undefeated season where I believe they finished 11th. Yeah, I believe they finished. Oh, yeah, they, they finished 11th in the official college football rankings. How, you know, they still do all 25, the last uh, rankings of the year instead of just the four or I guess the six because they have the two guys that are out. But 11 and one when Coastal Carolina was, was, was doing pretty well, and he was their quarterback. Even then, I don't even think that was his best year. I mean, he had an incredible year in 2020. Just in 2020, he had a 68.8 completion percentage, 2,488 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, 
and only three interceptions. His his touchdown to interception ratio is unbelievable. Most of these, I mean, this past year he he got hurt, so you know didn't really have the season that he wanted this past year. 67% completion, still pretty good, 1,919 passing yards, but then only 10 touchdowns and six picks. He didn't get to, I think, finish out the year. So, you know, trying to get a fresh start at NC State. But even some of his other years, his 2021 year, 2,873 passing yards, 27 touchdowns, and three interceptions. And then 2022, he had 2,000... 2,700 passing yards, 24 touchdowns, and two interceptions. He's just smart with the ball. And actually, I forgot his completion percentages. 2021, he had a 73% completion percentage. 73%. That's insane. And then 2022, it's 69.7% completion. I mean, he's just... This is, this is just a smart quarterback. He is just a smart player. Going into his sixth year as well, he's only going to get more intelligent, and he's only he's only going to get more careful with the ball. And that's one thing, the touchdown numbers. He's still putting up 25-plus touchdowns almost every year. He was three times, three-time Sunbelt Player of the Year and was also Sunbelt Freshman of the Year in 2020. This this is just an experienced guy ready to to you know take that next step and join the ACC and really play more of the big dogs. I think this past year was somewhat of a yeah it was somewhat of a down year this past year for them. Lost to UCLA, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, and then the last two games to Army and JMU. They got smoked to by JMU 56 to 14, but James Madison was awesome this year. That was fun to see. I really wish they went undefeated and could crack in the top 10 and, you know, <laughs> really give the committee a hard time. But that's besides the point. McCall, before he kind of battled some injuries throughout the last few years, he was viewed as a possible NFL draft pick. Now, whether that is, you know, day three, day two, day one at this point, I, 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 I can't recall, but maybe this is also a move. You know, this this is a move that benefits both sides. It benefits the Wolfpack and everybody He just by him being here. We have a quarterback after MJ Morris transferred to Maryland. He was the next plan, and, you know, he I think he just announced that he's transferring to Maryland as well. But he was the plan, and he transferred. That didn't work out. So McCall comes in with some experience with, you know, some great numbers with Coastal Carolina that was a winning team, a winning school. And he also kind of wants to, you know, get that recognition back of of being a possible draft pick and possibly being, you know, a guy taken day two, day three, maybe. Even then, maybe day one, maybe he plays out of his mind. NC State's going to start next year in the top 25. I'm almost sure of it. I mean, they finished 20. No, they finished 18 this year. I believe they were 18. So they're going to be there. They still have many more transfers to come in. Offers out there, guys still visiting. I mean, it's it's only going to be, you know, more excitement and more guys coming in as we go, go along. We're still very early in the whole 
transfer window process. There's still guys even, you know, entering the transfer portal. The 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 quarterback from Texas, he just answered entered the portal. Not Ewers, not uh not Arch Manning, obviously. But let me Texas QB. Oh, I'm drawing a complete blank. Malik Murphy. That's what it was. I knew it was something Murphy. Malik Murphy, he just entered the portal. And I think preseason he was listed as their uh, second string quarterback over Arch Manning. So he'll most likely go somewhere to, you know, where he will be the starter. Now, whether that he transfers within the the SEC or, or not, I think. I don't know. It's very early because he just announced that he was transferring. At the time I'm recording this, he announced it, I think, an hour or two ago, maybe. So, and I I did just see that Kyle McCord won't be going to Nebraska. There's a good chance he might just go back to Ohio State, honestly. Because then there was that article about, uh, you know, his players backing him up saying he got treated unfairly because you're expected to throw, you know, 50 touchdowns, three interceptions, and you know, 5,000 yards and be a Heisman candidate when it's like, he played pretty well. I think I do kind of agree with that where you had Justin Fields and then CJ Stroud back to back. (laughs) It's kind of, it's kind of hard to go back to, you know, you go from this unbelievably elite quarterback play to still very good above average quarterback play, but you're not up here. So it's like, you know, Ohio State fans, they're not used to it, whatever. But yeah, McCord isn't going to Nebraska. So maybe Malik Murphy will head there because Nebraska has been, you know, at this right now, Nebraska is kind of like what Texas was a few years ago when they kept saying that they're back and kept trying to, you know, really be back when in reality, Still got a long way to go. So maybe Malik Murphy can really jumpstart uh, Nebraska to getting back to that powerhouse that they were in the early 2000s, the 90s, pretty much almost always besides the last 10 years, at least five years. So, I mean, regardless, getting Grace McCall, again, went a bit off track, but that's okay. Getting McCall, a very experienced guy, and he, he's going to help KC Concepcion in on a, not even it's going to be incredible. Concepcion coming off an incredible freshman year already offered number ten to McCall, and McCall said, "No, I'm no, you keep it, you keep it. I'm I'm good." He's even playing in their bowl game. <laughs> they still they still qualified for a bowl game, and honestly. They're playing in the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl that's being held in Honolulu. Is that a, I want to be there for my guys or I want to go to Hawaii? Now, <laughs> it's, 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 it's definitely he wants to be there for his guys and finish out the year. I mean, he's built relationships with these coaches and players for, for five years now. Of course he wants to be there. I don't blame him at all for playing in that game. I'm perfectly fine with it. It just shows that he's loyal and that he's a leader and he wants to kind of, you know, really, really finish what he he started there before coming over here to the good side, to the, you know, not the teal. Yeah, nice red, black, and white, as you can see. And a much better logo, I got to say. This, this, the wolf, that, it's just incredible. Think about it every time. Even the little hat. Love it. So... Man, getting McCall, it's going to be great. I mean, the offense is going to be even 
better than what we expected. And even then, got plenty of time for some more transfers coming over to the Wolfpack. I love the transfer portal. I'm keeping up with recruiting. Not much uh, real recruiting stuff. The biggest news was that lineman that committed to Colorado, and we already really covered that. But anything major with recruiting, I mean, trust me, I'll be on it. Final note before we wrap up tonight's show, the fourth episode of Believe in the Wolfpack, Joe Shimko the long snapper for the Wolfpack that won the Patrick Mentally Award for the best long snapper in the country. I don't know if I'm just seeing it on Instagram now, but I saw the picture of him kind of posted up with the the trophy that he got. I don't... I, 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 that may be the coolest trophy I've ever seen. That may be the best trophy of anything. I'm talking the Heisman, Lombardi Trophy, the Stanley Cup, NBA Finals, whatever. That may be the best award and the best piece of hardware you can win. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's huge, too. It is huge. It's got, you know, it's it's pretty much just like a long snapper. It's a long snapper's hands. And if you haven't seen it, just go to the Instagram now and look at it on the Pack Football Instagram. It's down there. You'll see it. Trust me. You will see it. You'll know once you see it. It's got the long snapper's hands holding the ball, ready to snap it back. The forearms are on it. And it's huge. It is huge. It's a beautiful trophy. I, I, I mean... I guess I never paid attention to, you know, trophies for long snappers until now. My bad. That I'm sorry for the ignorance, truly, because this thing is beautiful. If you ask me, if I won award where it's like, all right, you can pick any any trophy you want. That may be my first option. It's absolutely going to be a finalist. I love it. I saw it and I was I my jaw dropped. It was incredible. It was incredible. And, you know, you got some of them where it's kind of like, like the, the NCAA, uh, the NCAA kind of plaques that you get when you make the final four or win a championship, when it's just a plaque and it says, Oh, you know, final four or, or, or region champion, conference champion, whatever. Yeah. You know, they get the job done, but they're boring. In the end, it just looks like a piece of wood with a little piece of glass that says your name that they slapped on there real quick. Listen, give me this long snapper trophy almost almost every trophy in any league, in, in, in anything. I'm saying almost just because, you know, there may be another that I see that's like, you know what? I, I can't leave it out of the equation. But of everything, every other trophy that I know of and that I can picture in my head, this long snapper one is incredible. It's got to be number one for me. It's just unbelievable. It's great. Oh, it was awesome. I Just looking at it, I was like, what? I couldn't believe it. So, yeah, congrats again to Joe Shimko for winning the best long snapper in the country. And congrats for winning the best trophy in the country as well. It's a thing of beauty. Please go check it out. But that'll conclude episode four of Believe in the Wolfpack. I appreciate everyone tuning in yet again, and we'll see you next time.